0: Thank you for, for coming. Um, I know that it's um, it's a time of the year that all of us actually want to be in bed, um, enjoying some um, Sunday morning blues. Um, but um, you chose to be in the house of the Lord, so uh, so I'm really so blessed by um, by having you here. Uh, for us, it's it's always amazing to spend some time together. Um, just shake the person next to you, gently, uh, Ed, um, and just say, uh, "God is going to uh, speak to you today." Amen. <laughs> okay, just do it properly. It looks like we need some encouragement. Yeah. Okay, God is going to do something in your in your life today. Amen. Um, so um, I want to share a few things with you that I believe um, God is um, speaking to us as a church about. For a few um, weeks now already um, <clears throat> and I trust that it will, it will touch your heart. Uh, let's just pray before we start. Father, we thank you that you are in this place, that you are speaking to us and that you have a desire to communicate with us. This morning I pray, Father God, as we spend some time together that it will be an am- amazing time in your presence. Thank you that you chose this morning to uh, to be with your people to wherever your people are gathering all over the uk and all over the world uh, you are communing with your people you have a desire to come closer to us and oh god we we cannot doubt your faithfulness you are truly a faithful god father we we just wish to uh this coming year be so faithful to come closer to you and, and to make you the priority of our lives this morning we pray father god that you will teach us how to you know, how to step into that place of of faith that place of stepping into the promises that you have for us in the name of jesus amen so i want to start with second kings chapter seven if you have uh, your bible with you please um, uh, turn to Second Kings because I think it will actually be a good chapter for you to read chapter 7 and even go to chapter 6 and uh, 5, 4, 3. There is uh, such a context to uh, to this loaded piece of scripture that I actually this morning can't spend too much time on the, the whole context of what Elisha, the prophet that followed up after Elijah, um, was going through. But... Um, Awesome things that happened in Elijah's life, um, things that um, that was even greater than Elijah ever experienced, um, and uh, he was a man of God. That um, that uh, if, I, if I read it, there were such awkward moments in Elijah's life where you know he didn't worry about what other people thought of him, what even kings thought of him, and how to approach kings. Um, for him, it was just about pleasing God and to, uh, in his awkwardness, even be. Obedience, obedient to the letter and uh, everything that uh, Elisha did was just being obedient to God. You know, if it was throwing a piece of wood in the water to get answer or to, um, to stand in the midst of a city where the Assyrians or the Syrians um, was, um, was basically uh, about to invade and, um, and then he would stand in the midst of the city uh, actually, because they were looking for him, and then he would say to to his servant, he would say, "Listen, just look because there is more for us than against us. Um, the God that is for us is more than than those who are against us and then he would ask God to open the eyes of his um, servant so that he would see the armies of the Lord, and then he would uh, you know just see the amazing armies of God, and he will not fear, and he will actually um, you know, trust God more. Things like that was busy happening. And you can go and read in chapter 3, 4, 5, these amazing things that happened in Elisha's life. Um, and in the midst of this, there was this king. Well, two kings in Israel at this stage because we know that the nation was divided. Um, but the, the one that followed up after his dad and his mom, um, uh, Ahab, uh, and we know Jezebel, um, is um, Jehoram, and he was um, he was quite a naughty king. He was not one that uh, focused on God. He had a lot of idols, and, and even though he saw the devastation that happened to his, his mother and father, he still chose not to be faithful to God. And um, in the midst of all of this, Elisha the prophet was faithful, and the, the Syrians, um, as we know after Elijah, you know, occupied the land of, of Israel and they took a lot of um, the, the people of Israel even captive. Um, and in this time, we we see the, the Syrians constantly um, attacking them from all sides. And and this is a time when then the prophet Elisha was um, was also asked, the king asked him to come and give him some advice um, and this happens in chapter 7, when the Syrians was on the border. This is now after these amazing things happened. So I, I want just to bring context again. So Elisha already showed to the king what amazing things God can do. Um, you know, by, um, by giving them this amazing um, uh, victory. And I, I just want to remind you that... Um, Elisha then actually went as far as to blind them all, ask God to blind them, um, the army surrounding the city. And then he would say, okay, listen, I will lead you to, to the real city. And, um, and he would take them away um, to, to another city. And this is the time when um, Elisha could call things like this for God to operate in and through his life, um, to not just show the power of God, Uh, in his own life, but to the people of God in devastation, hoping for great things to happen um, in their time. Now there was a great drought. And in this time, again the Syrians came and they surrounded the city and they took away all of the um, food that was supposed to come into the city. So the people were struggling. They were really uh, hungry. Um, there was a few lepers sitting at the, the wall. Now, it was always the custom that if you had leprosy, you had to go beyond the walls of the city so that you will not contaminate anyone in the city. Um, and there you will sit until you basically die. And there was these four lepers sitting now. Um, around the wall, you know, talking to one another, and they had this discussion about the drought and about dying. Because at this stage, they realized there's only a few options for them. If they go into the city, they would surely die because they will be stoned to death. If they stay where they are, they will die of hunger anyway. If they go to where the Syrians at this stage is surrounding the city, um, in the enemy's camp, they will die because they've got nothing to offer the Syrian army but um, to die because of their, their illness. So there was not a lot of options for them, but one thing that they knew was if they could go into the Syrian camp, they at least, taking the risk of their lives, would be able to get food. Um, and it's at this time that... that um, Elisha is prophesying to the king because the king is in desperation and surely he's not trusting any leper to bring hope to his nation. So he is now sitting in the city and he knows that there's no food to the people. And basically they're waiting for the enemy to attack them when they are at their weakest. Uh, Because that's what the enemy is busy doing to them. Is just allowing them to starve and starve and become weaker and weaker until they get attacked. Um, and so, Elisha speaks this um, amazing prophecy and he says in chapter 7, verse 18 of Second Kings. For when the man of God had said to the king, Two seas of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. The captain had answered the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Um, and so it, it happened just um, like this. The four lepers decided, listen, let's take our our um, chances. Uh, because there was now a lot of hope arising people knew that when Elisha the prophet speaks any prophecy, you can listen to it. Because Elisha is quite accurate. Um, But the the king did not have the same sentiment. Even though he knew that and he saw in the past great miracles, he actually laughed and made fun of this prophecy of Elisha. He didn't believe anything to happen. And yet these four lepers said listen we're going to take the chance they went into the enemy's camp and they found the enemy to be gone there was no enemy in the camp and all of the provision was still in the camp because they had to flee so quickly that they had to leave all of their equipment and their um, food um, in the camp and these four lepers then went and they took as much as they could at the time because they realized that there would probably not be a chance to take some more um, when they get back later on. They went back to, um, to the city, and they said, listen, guys, and, and the beautiful thing of it is when they were now getting the spoils, they rem- remembered their fellow citizens, and they said, listen, we must actually go and tell the city, because if the people of the city knows this, they will immediately come and take some spoil as well, so that there will be more than enough for the city to, uh, to, uh, to have uh, food. So they went back to the city, and, and first of all, the, the, the king was too afraid to actually um, send men, because he, he thought if he would send an army, you know, maybe they were just using this as a plan um, to, uh, to, to wait for them and then attack them when they get into the camp, because they were so hungry. And then he said, okay, let's, let's send two at least to, uh, to go into the enemy's camp. And they realized that there was amazing spoils to, uh, to take back to the city. So much that at the end, this prophecy came to fruition. The next day, um, literally there was so much food that it was cheap to buy. Um, there was more than enough for everyone to eat in the city. And they could restore um, everything in the city. The king, um, because of his doubt, then um, went into the city wall or to the gate. And he was trampled by those who brought the spoils back to the city to his death. Um, and, um, and he never saw and experienced the, the food or, um, or the spoils, just as Elisha prophesied. And, um, you know, the amazing part of this story for me is the fact that you and I many times have promises from God. We have, you know, visions and dreams and things that God has given us. And we know what God has said to us, but we are too afraid to go into the enemy's camp to go and take what is ours. To go and take what the spoils that God has in store for us. And this is exactly where this king was at, um, his heart was so divided in should he trust God? Is is it possible to even think that such a thing can happen? And and, and listen, this is not an ordinary battle. And, and and as we know through the whole of Israel's history, God never let them win big battles without crazy events happening all around it. <laughs> because this is a time when if you think about it, how would the enemy just run away? And and by the way, they heard chariots and horses and all kinds of um, armies coming their way and that's why they fled because God prepared the way for these lepers to go into their camp and I want to say to you this morning um, your miracle and the promises that God has in store for you is it's much more impossible than you think because looking at your circumstances it actually looks as if it's not going to happen it looks as if the, you hear the, the rumors of amazing things to happen. You hear about God's promises and, and and the way in which He even whispers it in the ears of people around you. But you find it very difficult to actually believe that He can do it. Okay, am I the only one that this morning are working things through with God? Because I I'm telling you, the problem is that Unbelief actually leads us to sin. <laughs> it leads us to a place where we actually get punished at the end. <laughs> because for this king, not having trust in God cost him dearly. <laughs> it actually brought him to a place where he um, had to, to go through severe punishment. And, um, and this king doubted in God's promise. And that led to sin in his life. Now, doubt is... Because of two things. We either don't believe that God has the ability to do things in our lives. And often we don't. You know, we say that God is an amazing, miracle-working God. But do we really believe that He, in our normal, everyday life, can do such an extraordinary thing that He can favor us? And secondly... We actually doubt about the fact that God actually wants to do it for me. The fact that God has a plan for your life and He's so in love with you that he, he, he just waits for you to ignite those promises through the faith in Him that is necessary. And so when this king actually almost blasphemes God in his face by, you know, joking about the prophecy. God is not very pleased with him. (laughs) Because he's the creator God with the ability surely to do anything he he wants. And he also wants to do the best for his people. And often, you know, we tell ourselves in our lonely moments, in our moments of of despair and not seeing breakthrough, we tell ourselves, you know, that um, I probably just deserve what is coming my way. (laughs) I probably just need to go through this uh, so that I can be taught a lesson. Or I, uh, and yet we are confused, uh, uh, we confuse ourselves with with a God that loves us so much that He wants to give us the best thing possible. Do you think that Israel deserved it at this time? Do you really think that Israel at this time of the history of the nation. God's people really deserve God to do such extraordinary things. And I'm telling you. If it was not for men like Elijah and Elisha. And and God's faithfulness to them. Probably that nation would not have (laughs) seen as much. But I can tell you. In your life. God loves you so much that He can't wait to bless you and bestow the promises that He has for your life, um, upon your life. And, and this um, is probably one of the number one things that the enemy always used to paralyze Christians. Um, when they start to believe that God is not able and that God doesn't do, want to do it for me. So I just want to share with you about unbelief um, as sin that it's a gross sin that actually if we look at Eve in the garden um she doubted God's intentions the first thing that the enemy asked her was so Eve do you really think that God is that good do you really think that God wants the best for you um so so this is nothing new um Jesus went through the same, being on the receiving end of people being in disbelief. Being in disbelief about his position, the promise of God, the fact that he was the promise of God, and that he was the Savior of the world at the time. And yet people could not, through this disbelief, come to a place of faith, so that they can receive whatever God uh, wanted them to give. And so when the child went into the temple, one of um, the priests, would, uh, Simeon, would recognize that, listen, there's an amazing thing happening here. This is the child that was promised all the time. The beauty of it is that that man could pick up on the faith and the truth of God in a time such as this. And if you look at this, I can, I can tell you this morning, that we always want a scapegoat for what we are not seeing happening in our lives. And if I look at, you know, just (laughs) uh, our situation in the UK at at this time, ask a guy like Jeremy Corbyn at this stage, um, how it feels to be blamed for everything that is not going right in the nation. um, And while a a few weeks ago he was um, the answer to many. Now everyone, if you put on the TV, is blaming him for for being the op- bad opposition leader being the people always look for answers and scapegoats for why things are not happening in their lives you and i always look for excuses for why things are not happening in our lives so when it comes to 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 unbelief i can tell you because we cannot connect ourselves to a place where we can say, God, I trust you and I have faith in you and I, I believe in you alone. We so often find ourselves using a scapegoat um, for our circumstances. So scapegoat, when used as a metaphor, is um, someone selected to bear the blame for a calamity. Uh, scapegoating is the act of holding a person, group of people or thing, Responsible for a multitude of problems. This is also known as frame up. Um, Somebody must get the blame for me not having a breakthrough. Now we know through Yom Kippur in uh, the Jewish um, culture, there was um, always two goats that um, the priest would receive. And uh, there was lots thrown uh, to decide which one of the two goats would then um, be the uh, the scapegoat, um, that one would get a red tie around his um, neck and um, the, uh, the priest would then lay hands on him and, uh, and send him into the wilderness with the sins of the people upon him. And that goat would even be thrown off the cliff uh, to get rid of the sin, <laughs> to get rid and to punish you know, somebody else for the sin committed by many. And so that would be an atonement for sins being committed at the time in biblical times. I want to say to you, you know, for a person sitting in um, a juvenile, sitting in, in, uh, in prison, having a lifelong sentence, the desperation of not knowing if you would ever leave this place... And not having hope that anything better will happen to you, or for you, or in your life. That means that you will even become worse, because you've lost all hope. And that's the problem with unbelief. is the fact that when you get to a place where you don't have the ability and the strength and the understanding that you have a God that really can change and transform your life. You find yourself in a place of despair, in such a place of despair, that you've lost all hope. And doing more harm and more wrong in your life is actually just a natural tendency to let go. Because why would I even try if, uh, if I don't have the hope that is necessary? And so this is what happens in the history then and for the people of Israel. It, the easiest way for God to reconcile them to a place where they can stand before God without uh, blemish again, was to give at least somebody else the blame. And that would be a scapegoat at the time of the priest. But we know that Jesus came to do it for us uh, in the New Testament and that each one of us have that opportunity, but it comes by choice. And so the problem, Just through unbelief, we find ourselves at a place of always trying to scapegoat circumstances and people around us. Because the easiest way to get rid of the the, the fact that we are not coming to the party, we are not um, enjoying the fullness of what Christ wants to do in our lives, is to blame something or somebody else. And that's just such a natural tendency of even humanity today, that, you know, uh, even if you, you hear these days about something going wrong, um, I would, you know, be uh, interested just to hear, you know, this uh, plane that fell now. Um, where was it? In Indonesia? Where, where did it happen now? Um, just after um, lifting a board. Kazakhstan. Was it Kazakhstan? Um, You know, just to hear the inquiry that happens after that, because somebody, even listening to this guy that got the blame for this um, football event years ago, um, and uh, how long was that case? I can't even remember now, but it was um, two decades, I think, um, that they actually spent to... Okay, are we up and running again? Um, uh, almost two decades just to, uh, to figure out, you know, with a great stampede, you know, who is really to blame. Because somebody must be blamed. And now with a fire here in London, somebody must be blamed. Somebody must be made the scapegoat so that everyone can feel better about their circumstances. And, um, and you think, you know, how can one such a person take such a responsibility in the midst of being human... And making one small mistake. And I, I'm not justifying. I can't justify any case right now. And I'm not saying that everyone you know, is, um, is not guilty. But what I am saying today is. The natural tendency within us as humans. Is always to find blame. Upon somebody else. So that we don't need to stand in a position of faith for ourselves. And the greatest killer of faith is the place of scapegoating. The fact that we are not taking responsibility of what God wants to do in our lives. The promises that He does um, want to bestow upon our lives. So the second thing about um, unbelief being a sin is un- unbelief awaken and cultivate <laughs> sin. It ignites sin to happen in our lives. Unbelief. You know, that's why people would sit 10 years in a church and still not know Jesus. <laughs> And still not have a life in abundance um, because of unbelief. Because they find it difficult to really believe that God has something more in store. Or am I wrong? Is all Christians fired up and ready to go and doing great exploits for God? If I look at Europe today and I look at the UK, I can tell you that I see many people that is uh, confessing Christ as their savior, and yet, there's a lot of unbelief going on, not being fired up by the presence of God in their lives, and unbelief reigns in their lives, and I'm not excluding myself this morning, because sometimes I fall in the trap of being in a place of unbelief, and I'm saying to you this morning, that place of despair leads us to a place where, you know, if the whole church would just be in faith. There will be no sleepers in the church. Everyone will actually be excited to do whatever God has told, told them to do. And so um, I want to say to you, unbelief awaken and cultivate sin in our lives because the only place that we can um, counter that is a place of faith. And it's strange how we see faith as something that's going to happen one day and someday rather than now. You know, my question to you again uh, this morning is, do you have an expectation that when you leave this place on this beautiful Sunday morning slash afternoon, that God is going to do something this afternoon in and through your life? Do you have an expectation that faith will be exercised in such a way that God can um, become um, a reality in your life? And so hardened hearts are hardened by unbelief in God gradually. A spiral of unbelief grows on you as do faith. Can I just say that again? That unbelief grows in our lives the more, you know, you distrust God and not... um, And even fall in the patterns of negativity of the lifestyles that we are living in. Because I'm listening to the news and I'm listening to people and conversations over Christmas with so many people that are not serving God even. And I'm talking to them and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, is there anything positive that you're going to say in this whole conversation? Because you know what happens with unbelief is the more you grow in unbelief, the more that spiral becomes a habit and a pattern in our lives. And so do faith. That's why Paul would say we would go from glory to glory. Because the more you exercise faith, so if you want to counter that spiral, just make sure to start to trust God for the small things in your life again. To today at least say, God, thank you that I have a roof over my head and that I've got food to eat. And God... I, I just want to thank you for the fact that you have given me a free will. That you've given me a free choice. That you've given me the free opportunity to today share your gospel. There's so many people all over the world that today cannot confess their, their uh, faith. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's strange how we habitual, habitually just start to, to fall into negative patterns... In, uh, in the society that we are living in. And, um, and you know what? Um, God wants us to, uh, to avoid those pessimistic um, you know, tendencies in our lives and become more faith-driven people, people who can see the best um, out of 2020, people who can say, listen, I know that God has a good plan this year in store. I'm not going to measure it in, in, um, you know, in, in, in certain physical goals because I don't know even how it's going to look. But one thing that I know is God has a pro- promise. And, and, and do God have a promise in your life? Is there a place that God has spoken to you about 2020? Is, are you in conversation with them at this moment in God? What is your heart's desire? for me and my family in this coming year. Because that place of faith inspires us when we, when we come to a place of, of victory in Christ and we say, Christ, because you have said, you know, Brexit is not going to be the worst thing that happened to this country um, uh, in the history. <laughs> it can actually be the best thing that happened to this country. <laughs> and you know what? My business looked like it's not happening at this stage, but guess what? 2020 is going to be a victory year because I'm going to speak it into being because God has promised. I'm not doing business because I'm doing business. I'm doing business because God had a promise for this business. I'm not doing this job because it's the best thing that I can do. I've prayed for this job and many other people prayed with me. And because they prayed with me, I know that God is going to be faithful in this. God is going to come through not just in in, in this job, in in providing income for me, but I'm going to change people's lives. I'm going to stop to speak negativity about all the wrongdoing that's happening in my, my job, and I'm going to become the difference. Because wherever I am, I speak faith, not unbelief. And so, you know, it's strange that um, Christians are sitting in in workplaces these days, in communities, and, and we are just complaining about what's going wrong. And about, you know, the UK that's just more godless, and the Europe that's just more godless. And yet, God is actually doing amazing things in our midst. We must start to speak the will of God again over this nation. We must start to prophesy again over the good works that God is doing. And yet, I don't see it even on our faces. We need to, 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 to come in partnership with where Christ is at. And so um, thirdly, unbelief paralyzes good works. Whatsoever is not of faith makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatsoever is not of faith makes sense. Okay, I'm just teasing you here. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's strange how everything must make sense these days, otherwise we don't believe it. <laughs> We've become such s- skeptical people, you know, fake news. <laughs> you know, our social media accounts allowed us to become so skeptical about anything and everything that's happening around us that we doubt everything. We don't believe in anything because we must first investigate if it's true. We must first investigate to see, is there not a hidden agenda in this guy when he's doing good toward me? You know? And, uh, you know, I've seen now through the political um, campaigns as well, yeah, listen... Strange how we would go and even seek that behind the scenes reason why anyone would do any good uh, for this country. We've become pessimistic people that are paralyzed because we are caught up in unbelief. And so uh, Peter could walk on water while he had faith. But you know what? The moment that unbelief came, he sunk. And I want to say to you, Stop being so negative. (laughs) Stop moving along in unbelief in such a way that God cannot let you walk on the water. Start to look at the bright side of things and where God is at and follow Him so that He can do great exploits through your life. When last did you do a great exploit? You've become so ordinary that you're more boring than any other person on this planet. (laughs) And I'm saying that with respect Because you know what? Christians are supposed to be Holy Spirit, holy camoley, powerful people that are doing extraordinary things. And yet, we don't believe it. We don't believe that God can do those things. And so, you know, for me, one of the amazing things about (laughs) this um, Elisha is he would actually... When the Syrian king um, had this one commander um, and, um, and he, the commander had leprosy, and uh, this commander won great battles for him, and he decided to send him to the king in um, Israel so that he would um, this king to him, so that he would at the end um, heal him, because he heard that things like that happens in Israel. So he got to this king, and this king started to laugh, and he said, "You know why are you saying, Is this now, you know, a a joke? Would you send a person to me, to 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 heal him, um, and he's even my enemy?" And then Elisha hears, hears this. He says, "No, listen. Tell the king he must send him to me. Because I will um, I will trust for healing." Then he says to um, this commander of the armies, he says, to, of the Syrian armies, he says to him, listen, just go to the river and wash yourself seven times and you'll be healed. He did so and uh, he got uh, cleansed and healed. You know what? People are coming to us for solutions, but we don't have the solutions because we're not moving in faith. And I'm not saying this morning, you know, that um, you're not doing it. I, I truly believe that each one of you sitting here are faithful men and women of God. But I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to do it even more. To trust God to go to the enemy's camp and to go and steal what is necessary for God. Not, don't steal goods. Okay? You shall not steal. Okay? That's a command of God. You know what I mean? Is God wants us to even. Plunder the enemy so that we can um, see his um, will be done. Um, many would have done great things for God if they just kept on believing. And then yet, you know, we in our unbelief sometimes experience God as a, a harsh God. Um, and uh, I want to remind you again of the the guys with the talents. And so... Uh, they received their talents, and the master went away, and he came back, and he said to the guy that received the most, Yes, what did you do with it? And he doubled it. And the, the second guy, listen, what did you do with it? I've doubled it. So well done, faithful servant. You'll receive your amazing reward. And then the third one, because he had unbelief... <laughs> That his master would be faithful, received nothing, but more than nothing, he received eternal damnation. The sad reality of it is, it's the same master. But if you're the one in unbelief, if you can't trust the master, if you can't trust him to operate in your life, your perception about him will be different. It's the same master for, for, for all the servants, The the servant that got second most could also have said, listen, but why does he get more than me? And yet, he did what was the best that he could so that he could receive a great reward. And I can tell you in this life, it's strange how when unbelief gets grip on you, how we start to, to rather do nothing And not be faithful because we're offended with God. Because we can't understand, God, why are you not coming through in my circumstances? God, you're not a good God. You're actually a God that curses. And yet, I want to tell you, it's the same Father that loves all of us the same. And each one of us have a different plate that we need to deal with. Not all of us will have Hollywood as our um, uh, uh, um, footstool. <laughs> and we, I'm speaking that as an as a, as a, as a encouragement. <laughs> but I can tell you, God has given you a certain amount of faith. And a certain amount of resources necessary to fulfill the promise that God has for your life. And that's how... Faith works from glory to glory. You with little faith. You are just faithful with what I've given you. I can double that. Fourthly, unbelief is punished. (laughs) Um, We've seen uh, Noah's ark. Those who didn't believe had to stay out of the ark. To die consequence. Um, Moses and Aaron missed Canaan. Uh, with all the others um, that uh, could not go into the promised land when Joshua and Caleb came with the good report. We can do it. Yes, it is impossible. It's actually not supposed to happen. But we know our God. We're going to do this. We're going to see the positive report. We're going to choose not to believe the stats. (laughs) There's many stats in your life that makes you to reason about what you should not do. And that's why I've, I've said, whatsoever is not of faith makes sense. <laughs> and I know it's you know a little bit um, amplified. But what I can tell you is, guys, faith does not make sense. It's the place of faith that you and I enter into where God starts to uh, operate in and through our lives. And we can see life again and excitement. Um, Jews crucified Jesus because of their unbelief. Number five, unbelief is the doomed sin. Um, only two sins were doomed in the Bible. The one is the, the sin against the Holy Spirit. And the other one was the sin of unbelief. Because um, it says that unbelief um, is sin and it leads to eternal hell. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, the second thing that I just want to say this morning after um, sin is uh, 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 unbelief is a sin, is unbelief brings punishment um, when we embrace it. You will see it with your own eyes, but you shall eat not. This king was punished because of his unbelief. Um, you can know about Jesus and still miss eternity. We will rather struggle in our faithless, sinful lives. And trusting in God and um, and His life-giving truth. And so um, the third thing that I want to say is how do we fall into unbelief? And I'm going to quickly go through this this morning. Because I I want you to even make notes. Because um, sometimes the enemy gets us caught up in these um, terrible things. in stranglements uh, so that we can't com- come to the fullness of faith. If we sin, we have no believing God's word. Because sin, if we are defeated in sin and we continually allow ourselves to fall in a sinful nature, that brings us to actually um, deny the power of the gospel to change lives and to give us the power to overcome every sin that is possible and yes I think the first thing that goes through your mind this morning is that sin is defined as these major sins that we know you know is so evident around us but sin is unbelief missing the mark in not trusting God for what he wants to fulfill in your life so I want to say don't be so quick to judge those who are doing sin around you and, um, and take the, uh, the scope away from yourself. Um, he will convict us of our sin and righteousness and judgment. The second thing about how do we um, fall into uh, unbelief is we have unbelief in God if we harden ourselves against God's word. We know what the truth is, and yet we still go against it. And I want to say to you, the more you do it, the more you will harden your heart so that you will not be able to to flow in faith. Because you can only f- flow in faith and grow in faith if you allow God to wash you and transform you by His Word. And trust in His full Word, not just the half of it. And that's why people are so confused these days, because they choose whatever they want to use in the Bible. I watch, you know, just... Um, you know Netflix and all these uh, amazing channels that we so uh, love to uh, to watch, and just to see the movies of real blasphemy against God's will and God's truth that is used these days to paralyze Christians, not to believe in the truth, to think that it's actually, you know, a powerless word of God, that actually we believe in something that we uh, we must be very childish to think that it works, and it's all designed to bring us to a place where we think that God is not powerful and all-powerful. God has orchestrated His Word in such a way that it's the full Word that is necessary in our lives. And if you don't believe in the full Word and the complete Word, it will be very difficult to move into a place of faith. Because you will always have the doubt in your mind that, you know, yes, you know, they... And I, it's strange how context these days are used as a word so much when it gets to um, the Bible. And I'm the first to say context, context, context. You know, please don't um, don't uh, miss me now. Um, when it gets to reading the Word of God, I'm the first to say, listen, read the full scope of what the context is of, of a verse in the Bible. But it's strange how that same context, conversation comes on the table all the time to to tell us that, you know, things were a little bit different those days than it is today. Nothing is new under the sun. You know, just go and read Sodom and Gomorrah and then you'll know what we are going through now. (laughs) It's, humankind left to its own devices will always destroy himself. We are on the verge of being destroyed. Because that's what humans does. If they are left to their own devices and think that they are the solution, then they will destroy themselves. And so we've just come full circle again. But I can tell you one thing is um, if we don't believe in the word of God and the truth that it brings to our lives and read it often, we're going to miss out. And, and, And I think one of the Greatest mistakes that Christians are making these days is not to read the Word of God enough. And, and I want to agree with what's that John Bevere um, clip that goes around these days, you know, that there's a direct correlation to anyone reading the Word of God and growth. I want to agree with it totally. I've not seen a Christian that is fired up with, uh, um, in, in, in their Christianity. Without being a constant reader of the Word of God, I've not seen this, because there's definitely a correlation between those who are missing the point and their time spent with God in the Word. You can always ask people, you know, so you're struggling to, uh, you know, to uh, to spend, um, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to 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 keep on focusing on God. You don't have a good relationship with God. Are you spending time in His Word? There's a direct correlation. And I'm saying to you this morning, we should spend more time with God in His word so that we can be transformed in faith. Second Kings 17, 14, notwithstanding they would not hear, but hardened their necks like the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. Number three, about um, you know, um, how do we we, we fall into unbelief? We will have unbelief in God if we have no roots in the Word. John 16 verse 8 to 9. No, no, before I get there. Um, Our unbelief in God is evident by the sin in our um, lives. Um, To continuously grow in faith, we must continuously learn to be rooted in God's Word. Luke 8 verse 13. It's not on the screen, so uh, make a note. They are they on the rock, are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root which for a while believe and in no, this is wrong. Does anyone have a Bible here? It looks like Sophia's Bible is here. Let me just uh, read Luke chapter 8, verse 13. I don't know how my copy to the notes. Can be so wrong. Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Are you still awake? Bear with me. We're almost there. 8, verse 13. It says. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and time of testing fall away. So, um, there's a few scriptures um, relating to unbelief in God that I just want to mention. John 16, verse 8 to 9. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin... Because they do not believe in me. 2 Kings 17 verse 14. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. Luke 8 verse 13. I've read that one. So, fourthly, we will have unbelief if we keep on having excuses. And I can tell you the mountains are on your own head strange how, you know, I, um, if somebody asks me about, you know, what is God doing in your life now and what is, strange how when I start to, um, to think through the excuses now of why God is not doing what he's supposed to do um, in my life at this moment, um, you know, I find myself in, those are actually the strongholds that I need to address very quickly in order to come closer to where God wants me to go. Because the, it's, it's not people working against me. It's not, you know, the enemy fighting against me night and day. It's not my boss being a horrible boss that just wants to down me. And Those mountains are actually all in my own head. It's, it's, it's when I can start to believe in what God is saying about me. The plans that He does have for my life. The things that He, he wants to... Um, You do do in and through me, that I start to to see the victory. Nobody else will believe in God's promise in your life like the moment between you and God. You know, it's strange to look at worldly people. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's not, I don't know where he's at, so please help me out. Um, a guy like Donald Trump, you know, I looked at his um, um, documentary the other day, uh, how he, um, as a businessman, grew through the years, and uh, how he came to where he is today. It's, it's quite extraordinary, you know, just to see the, the, the leaps that he took to, to get to where he, um, he is today. But um, the strange thing was, uh, you know, godly or not godly, the, um, how confident he was in what he believed about himself, and other people started to believe what he believed about himself, <laughs> because he said it enough so that they would actually um, follow his, um, his, his, his belief. And I want to say to you this morning, it's strange how we as Christians always make excuse for where we're not, rather than to focus on who we are. <laughs> I love what Sofiso did this morning. Yes, we don't have a full band and an orchestra here in front with the flute, flute and the harp. And the, um, <laughs> but you know what? You can be very confident in what God has given you because that is enough. And as long as you're going to make excuses about where you're not, you will never be in a position to move where God wants you to be. And I want to say to you this morning, God loves you enough that He wants you to start to believe what He believes about you. He wants you to change your thinking, your speaking, Your way of doing things, to proclaim more, to complain less and to start to act upon the promises that he has for you until you get it right. Because you are going to get it a few times wrong. But not taking the risk and sitting at the wall like a leper. Making your sums, I can tell you, you will die at the wall if you stay where you are. Unless you take your belongings, the little that you have, even if it's a spade (laughs) or a spoon, and you go and attack the enemy as hard as you can with God's promise, not without um, Him commanding you to go. But you do it because God will give you the victory. It's not through precision and amazing armies and the best armies in the world that God's people has won the greatest battles. It's through the most simple things that God has done for them so that He can be glorified. Let Him be, at the end of 2020, let Him be the one to be gloried. Because you could never attain to it. But you've trusted Him. We will have unbelief if we have security other than in God. Um, and you know what? I I really... I'm listening so carefully. I try to these days even get among people you know those family dinners or those Christmas parties that you have with people that you know doesn't need, know God. And you listen to... Do they reasoning about politics and about the workplace and about and you realize uh, deep within that um, you know people are truly serving what they fear the most. <laughs> people are truly serving what they fear the most. If brexit is your greatest concern at this moment and not for our European friends that are here from Spain, <laughs> they don't need to worry about Brexit. <laughs> if Brexit is your greatest um, fear at this moment, you know what you're going to serve? is the fear of Brexit. <laughs> and it's going to be the worst outcome <laughs> possible for you. Or you can um, take this bull by the horns and say, Listen, God, there's every opportunity. There's promise. There's amazing things that you're going to do. We will have unbelief, and this is the last one, number six, if we allow a gradual absence of faith. Don't believe the lie that you will sort things out with God one day, someday. It starts today. Because that one day is never going to happen, I promise you. The fact that your spiritual growth is not where it's supposed to be, your own mistake. God is very close. God is very committed. So don't tell me this morning that it's God's fault or your spouse's fault or who who can get the blame Yeah, Your boss's fault because he drives you to... I can tell you this morning it's your own fault (laughs) because God is there. He's ready to receive you He's um, he's committed to do so, and He's committed to do so now. He's willing to, in your circumstances, become the most relevant thing that you've ever seen. And um, so let's stand this morning. You know, I... I love the conversation that God has with us um, the last few weeks. And... Um, and God's love for us, because He truly loves us. Um, we, um, we sometimes forget how committed He is. We forget how, um, how faithful He is. And, uh, and I trust God that this year, He's going to do amazing stuff in your life more than ever (laughs) just because you are going to change your direction you're going to change your focus you're going to start to become the positive faith driven person that god created you to be Um, you know david had his greatest exploits when he was in the wilderness (laughs) didn't happen in the palace We wait for the palace so that we can do great exploits. This is the time when God is going to do the great exploits. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. Because it's the name above all names. It's so powerful. Oh God, we come to you this morning and we ask you for your grace. We ask you that you will come and bestow upon us the, um, the kind of grace that will allow us to see again. That like Elijah said to his servant, just see the commander of the armies brings those who are for us to be a lot more than those who are against there is no opposition, no mountain, no valley, nothing that is greater than, Father God, your victory in our lives. And the overcoming power over every sin, over everything that is exalting itself against your knowledge. And, oh God, we come to you this morning and we ask you, let this year be known as a year of breakthrough. A year of extraordinary stories we want to come and tell those stories we want to encourage one another we want to speak it over this church we want to speak it over one another we want to speak it father god into our family lives and father god we we thank you that this year will be a year where we will draw closer to you and trust you more than ever because the mountains is in our own heads father god we know that you are more than able to bring victory in our lives. And Father, I pray as we stand before you this, this morning, that, um, Father God, you will not just inspire us with faith, but by your presence. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I want to just encourage you. Um, if you need prayer this morning, if the Holy Spirit is tucking at your heart, and He's um, telling you, to um, to just come and uh, I don't know even that word of of um, the train and the track, you know maybe that's for you this morning there's something that you must come and put in place uh, don't leave this place without coming for prayer you're going to um, just put on some soft music and um, I'll be around yeah and um, I would gladly pray with you I know that um, you probably want to enjoy some um, amazing eats as well um, and coffee but uh, for those of you that need prayer please please come to the front amen amen